Hello, this is Joe Peters at In the Know with Joe, and I'm about to interview Paul Grazella, the director of the Greater Raritan Workforce Development Board, and he's going to give us an update of what's been done in 2021 and what's new for 2022. Please listen in. So hi, it's Joe Peters of In the Know with Joe, and I've got on the phone with me Paul Grazella, who is the head of the Greater Rare and Workforce Development Board. It's quite a long title. Uh, what, what is your formal position? Uh, I am the director. Director. Okay, great. And, and Paul, you've been doing that a little over a year at this point in time? Actually, uh, it'll be three years. Um, I started part-time in February of, it is three years. I started part-time in February of 2019 and became the full-time director in November of 2019. Wow, wow. Well, it's great to talk to you again. Why don't you take a minute and give people a little about your background? I know you've got a very interesting background. Sure, sure. So um, I, I'm a Somerset County born and bred. Um, went to school at Northwestern where I got a bachelor's and master's in journalism. And I was fortunate enough to have a 35-year career uh, working uh, for the Gannett newspapers, the Courier News and the Home News Tribune and a whole bunch of different uh, 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 capacities. Um, the last several years, I was the general manager and editor for the two properties, as well as MyCentralJersey.com. Um, I transitioned to this work in, Feb in February of 2019, shortly after I retired from um, newspapers. Our community journalism is really a is a really a more is a better way to describe it. Um, and I uh, had previously volunteered as uh, on the 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 uh, volunteer board of the workforce board, uh, the Greater Raritan Workforce Development Board, which serves hundred and in Somerset counties. And I was also a, a past chair of that board. And I. Um, had the I, some of the experience and knowledge necessary to take on a more formal staff role. Great, great. So Paul, this is our second interview. I looked at the calendar and our last one was about 53 weeks ago. So it's sort of an annual occurrence, two years in a row anyway. Um, and anybody who'd like to know any more, I'll put a link to our previous discussion because our previous discussion was right in the middle of COVID. And now we're hopingly come, this is such a word as hopingly, we have high hopes that we're coming to the near the end and, and things are changing. So what, what changed most since we talked last? Last time we talked, it was about getting the people to jobs that, uh, and matching them with jobs. And now we're discovering at the high end of the job market, there's just a lot of people not going back to work. They're working out of the, uh, the home office environment. And at the lower end, we're paying more than ever for people encouraging them to get back to work. What have you noticed the most in the last 12 months? Um. There are still, uh, you know, there's, I think there's so many different currents that are flowing right now. There are people who, like my husband, who decided, you know what, I'm 67 and I don't need to work anymore. And right. I could have kept on working. Uh, there are people who um, weren't able to get back to work be either because of childcare or because of family care 
or still fears of the uh, of uh, COVID. Um, and there were also, I think for a lot of people, it seems like this has been a time uh, to kind of reassess what they want to do. Right. Um, they were, they, they figured out that they could either make do with less, you know, they, maybe they were working two or three jobs and, you know, that they just don't want to do that anymore, or they're putting more value on their, they're putting more value on their time, their personal time, but they're also putting more value on what, who they, what they bring to the uh, employer. So the employer had, the employer has to, you know, the employer is recognizing that. I think the other thing, the other interesting current that we frequently talk about among the workforce board professionals throughout the state, and we meet at least weekly, if not more, um, is that uh, we have to try to help educate our um, employers about how they need to talk to and reach out to prospective employers and they have to have they have to be aware of their own value proposition in order to attract and keep um, good employees it's you know everything has changed right. and that's one of the things that I think has changed it's interesting I, I listened to the guy that they call Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank and he does a broadcast a couple of times a week and he made a statement, not arrogantly, he said, but he says, I'm an investor, an entrepreneur. I own stakes or large parts of 55 different companies. And he said, I have about 150,000 people in those 55 companies. And 65% of them told me they will not come back to work if they have to work centrally. I found that an amazing number, um, but I don't think it's much different than what we're discovering elsewhere with people who can work remotely. Right. Our, our situation is, for the greater rare workforce, probably a lot of your people can't work remotely in the types of work they're doing. And we discussed that a little bit last year. Yes, that, that is, you know, there's certainly, you know, if you're going to work in hospitality, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be there. You right. know, if, you, if you're going to work in healthcare, for the most part, you can't do those jobs remotely. Um, but one of the things we are seeing, um, is that there's the, 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 the shrinking of the, uh, of the office footprint is continuing. Um, and that'll be interesting to see how all the space is eventually repositioned. Um, it's very interesting because, um, I do commercial, I do uh, residential real estate, but our commercial real estate people are saying it's hotter than ever. And I'm saying... I can't imagine that because why would people need office space? They said, no, they're changing office space. And it's like what the old office, even the attorney says, I used to do so much locally and now we're doing so much remotely. I don't need the space for all these people again. So I moved my office. Right. Right. So there's, you know, there, I, you know, this is only beginning to shake out, I think, both for our, for all types of businesses and what it's, um, going to eventually look like, but, you know, I can tell you from, uh, the data that we see that we collect, um, and that the state provides to us about, you know, open positions, particularly for our area. If you look at the weekly job listings that we post 
on our, on our website, www.thegrwdb.org, you'll see that there are a real mix of positions uh, that, that employers are looking for right now. Uh, some of those are high level positions that can be done anywhere in the country. Right. In fact, I think I just saw Twitter just announced today or yesterday that their new policy is going to be that you, you can work from anywhere the, for almost the entire country, but there's somebody who can do that. You know, whereas we, you know, the, uh, uh, one of our big needs uh, is in healthcare, both at our, hosp at our hospitals as well as um, the, the uh, uh, assisted living, you know, all of, the, all of those places, they just don't have enough people. And one of the things that we've been talking about is trying to figure out how can we help train people as quickly as possible to attract them and get them into these positions? Because if we can, they'll, they'll have a job right away. And a lot of them, some of these places, you know, you'll, just as you were mentioned before, uh, wages are going up. Um, similarly, our, our, manufac our manufacturers in the area are really looking for people. And we have lots of, um, uh, of, of our businesses that do have the remote positions that um, you know, we try to encourage our people to know about and take advantage of and see if that's something that they um, can fit. Because we still do have the, the people come into our one-stop uh, one -stop centers, um, which are open, by the way, for, uh, um, for, ser for service, uh, for career services, um, appointment and walk-in. Um, that you know, they some of them are still looking for uh, remote work. So you know, it's it's a kind of a mix, and I think it's going to be mo several months, if not longer, until we know what it actually is going to gel into. Well, it's interesting. I, I just sold a house in Bridgewater, and I own a shell company. But the guy had a fairly high level position in the company, and his wife had her own business, and they decided they're going to move to Atlanta. And he says, look, I meet virtually with my team twice a day because some of them are in the Orient and it, it works. And he says, I do have to go into work once a month or so. And he says, I'll fly back at my own expense to do that in order to live in Atlanta. And I said, that's an amazing outlook on it. And I mean, it's pretty high outlook because some people have to go to work. Like your pharmacist right. can't do prescriptions and your doctor can't, you know, he may be able to do consultations over the phone, but most of so. <sighs> I saw a statistic this morning. The jobs numbers were out this morning. Mm -hmm. I just saw them, but they're very encouraging. Um, we're still sitting with about 89% of the people employed that were employed before COVID. So we're still short and New Jersey lags the nation. And this is only the nation that's out. But the one statistic that an analysis used this morning was that of the jobs, I think we added 568 or 586, I don't remember which, 179,000 were in hospitality and leisure, which means people are coming back to work. Uh, you can't do hospitality and leisure, for the great part, remotely. And I think the supplement to that is that this is the sector that seems to be paying more and more to attract people coming in. Um, right. But it's the those it's the sector that had the biggest loss. And now you're seeing it's it's you it's it's now going to be seeing the biggest game. I was just looking at the releases you were talking about it. 
It's a uh, leisure and hospitality, healthcare and construction, all things that you can do, in, you know, that you need to do in person. Right. That, that the that's where the losses were and now we're seeing the tide swinging back in so it's going you know in both cases it's going to like the line's going to be a little um uh distorted by what's happening but it's it is very good news for no, I, no I think as well um what you said last year and i forget the exact quote but you said that we probably did five years of development in five months because we met took the technology to meet the current situation. Um, it goes on and I think um, I'm involved on the real estate board and whatever, but one of the statistics I heard and I tell people is that, you know, 80% of the jobs that we know today won't exist in another 10 years or maybe five. And we can't even conceive what they'll be replaced by. And quite honestly, we probably won't replace 80% of them. It might be 60 or 70% of them because when we get into things like autonomous busing and, and whatever, we may not need certain people who need to be repurposed. Right. Um, and even, even manufacturing, some of those jobs are being done right. by, by, uh, by robots or through AI. So it's, it is, so, you know, then the question is, can we, what how do you help the people who are doing those those jobs can they be reskilled for new for a new for new roles do they have skills that you can transfer and inevitably as you said not everybody is going to be you're not going to find a role for everybody and that's that's you know that's you know an even an even harder uh, hill to climb but one that we have to confront Combine what we just said with, and I think it's lessened a little, but we had a lot of people leaving their jobs in the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter of last mm -hmm. year. But that didn't mean they weren't looking for our employment. That meant they left their job and either they had some money while I searched for another or they left it for another job. Um, do you see that happening in our workplace? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, we're not, we're not immune. <laughs> we weren't immune to any of that. Um, and we're really, where we're really seeing that is in the, um, when we talk to employers who are saying, <laughs> telling us about, well, you know, we've lost this person, we lost this person, we lost this person. And, you know, we need help getting people back. So, you know, I would say starting normally in the summer, um, that is a, a, a slower time for our state business reps who um, are in our area are primarily responsible for the business recruitment events that happen. So before COVID, they were doing those in person. Um, um, starting in January of 20, well, actually uh, probably more in November, December of 2020, we started to go to virtual recruitments, um, information sessions, or in some cases, even job hirings, uh, job hiring events. And what was interesting is, was to watch um, normally uh, June, July, August would be very slow. They'd only do one or two. Well, that's when we started to see employers coming to us to say, hey, we need help. Can you, can you do this? Can you host these events for us? And during the course of uh, 2021, they hosted more than 100 and wow. had about, I think, 15 or 1600 people in all attend. So, you know, 
of job seekers attend. So there was a real, uh, it was something that the businesses uh, wanted and that our uh, job seekers were taking advantage of. And, you know, we often talk about, and we've continued to host these events and they've and the participation has continued to be very good on the part of um, job seekers. And our businesses, I think even, even when you are able to uh, comfortably host in-person events, I think they may continue to, to see this as a very viable alternative because they're, they're organized for them doesn't cost, of course, nothing costs anything to them, doesn't cost anything. And um, they have a good turnout. We know we've had dozens of people hired, dozens and dozens of people hired as a result of these. So, you know, it's, I don't think we're, what we are, we are going to go back to um, in-person events. Um, we've got several planned already for the spring, uh, but it doesn't mean that we're going to only do in-person you know, the hybrid model work uh, is it works. And well, I don't see that uh, going away. I think that's, you know, cause that's how, how, how many of us already live our lives. It's interesting. I, it's just my outlook on life. I called COVID God's wake up call. Unfortunately, some people got severely hurt by it, but it made us rethink a lot of things. And I'll, I'll give you a great example on the board of realtors for Hunter and Somerset and Mercer County. And we, as I headed education for five years, and we were mm -hmm. not allowed to teach remotely. Now we don't teach anything in person. I mean, it's a total 180. We're not even thinking the same. We, we're saying to ourselves, why did we require that? It was a dumb requirement. Right. So when they're doing these kind of recruitment calls, they're for in-person jobs or they're for remote jobs or both? They're, oh, no, they're almost all in-person. So, and I'll even, I'll, let me just give you, let me call it my calendar. And I, we have, so I don't want to misspeak because we do have some coming up too in the next uh, few weeks. Um, so Hunterton Medical Center is doing two with us, uh, one on the 16th for nursing Right. And then one on the 22nd for behavioral health. Um, we also have one with Fellowship Village in Bernard's. Um, uh, that is the 24th. We're just waiting to do a final schedule. And we have other, I think they have four or five others in the hopper that you know, we'll be scheduling later in, and later in March and going in throughout the spring. And there are all, all of these are in-person jobs. They did one, um, let's see, the first on Tuesday for a power container in Franklin. Um, and the week before that, they did uh, one for um, um, Somerset, Somerset Savings. Yeah, I think it's Somerset. I don't want to lie. Just look up just to make sure. So what about the larger companies? You mentioned Amazon and Franklin last time we spoke. Are right. doing the same? They're uh, they're doing yeah they're doing their own uh, combination. We're not we're not supporting them right now, but they we they are okay. Um, a lot of the businesses that are coming to us, with the exception of uh, Hundred and Medical Center, are some of the smaller businesses. Right. I don't mean smallest, but smaller. Um, but all even the larger businesses 
um, all of them list, a lot of them in our area list their open positions um, in the National Labor Exchange. And every week, uh, uh, our business reps pull a list of the jobs that were posted the previous week. And we keep that up. We keep those listings open for, uh, un, available on our website for five weeks at a time. Okay. And so I'm just calling up the one from Somerset County. And that list includes um, um, Abbey V, um, Air Liquid, which is a, fair, a large company, Allied Universal, um, uh, Bosch, Bausch, uh, BJ's, uh, Chipotle's a, a small, a smaller thing, a smaller, uh, you know, a smaller retail business, hospitality business, uh, one, uh, one, one spot. Uh, but then we also have Henkel, GlaxoSmith, uh, Verizon has lots of jobs, J and J, Somerset Medical Center. So all of these jobs are, you know, you can go through the list and you can, um, a job seeker can see what's available and they, the list, which is available in a downloadable PDF has a, has a link that people can directly apply as well. And we do separate lists for Hunterdon and Somerset counties. Um, they're available on the uh, resources job uh, seekers tab of our website. So one of the problems we talked a little about last time was transportation, that we have a lot of jobs, but they're hard to fill because the hourly people, even though they're getting more per hour, and they seem to benefit the most uh, from the increase in prices, had a tough time getting there because there's no mass transportation. What's changed in that area? I don't, unfortunately, that, you know, that's still, um, uh, you know, a nut that hasn't been cracked. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's, we have had some different discussions with um, Go Hundred and, and Ridewise, uh, which are the two transportation organizations servicing our two counties. Right. And they have they have con they have outreaches to businesses who may want to work with with them in different ways. They work individually with clients when appropriate. Um, you know, they help with um, uh, ride share and other other things. But I think you know that's. That's a discussion that is happening on a much larger level than just local. You know, just at the board, it's happening at the county level. It's ha and, and it's happening at a regional level to you know to start looking looking mm -hmm. at. I think you know that's the 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 the, the question that um, officials have to um, wrestle with. What what makes sense? And is there you know is there a new way or is are there other ways that this um, is being resolved? Well, Marilyn, I think I might have mentioned it last time, worked for Rutgers for years in Piscataway, and now she's retired and needed something to do. So she's working for a large big box retailer. And she says, Joe, I'm amazed by how many people are using the rideshare type thing. She's in mm -hmm. Huntington County and spending up to two hours getting to and back on, on that ride share, it's not a convenient thing. Apparently right. one of them, she offered to give a ride home to, and a woman said, oh, could you pick me up every day? She said, no, no, I don't want to get into that. It was just, <laughs> I'll do you a favor, but uh, you know, um, I said, you know, it's better that we have this and now maybe you can improve it or at least earn enough money to buy, get into some other types of transportation. And 
I think um, Uber, uh, my son's disabled and lives in Middlesex County and he, he rides a cab fare because there's no Uber there. I mean, Uber would be a lot cheaper if they were consistent. And uh, right. um, the Uber model till this minute hasn't made money. So it's, it's an issue, um, same as Airbnb. But in effect, it's an idea that I think works. And I know I've used it all over Europe and, and the States on my vacation. It's sort of neat. Um, we're, we're getting to another point. I had a long talk with Mike, Mike Kerwin about four weeks ago. Do we really need two cars in a family? And we realize this when we live in Clinton and Marilyn works in Flemington. So it's about a 10 mile ride. And we bought her lease car, but it took like a month to get the paperwork. So for a month, it wasn't registered. And I was driving her to work and we got the talking. We're saying, you know, but if three days a week you go to work, to save the cost of another car, there's other reasons you need another car. This isn't so bad. And Mike says, you know, it's amazing. We're thinking the same thing. And he says, I happen to live in Somerville where I can walk to a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But I think we're finding more and more. We're seeing two things at once. We're seeing um, you don't need a new car every three years like you used to. And then secondly, you may not even need the second car. And then if you listen to Elon Musk, who uh i i think he's wonderful but also think he's from mars because he thinks so differently than everybody else but he he said you don't understand what um automated driving or or self-driving autos will mean it means you won't even need a car you can just have a car pick you up and take you to work and it goes on and does other things all day long and picks you up on the way home and i'm saying you know he's absolutely correct because we're already thinking that already Uh um it's, it's like a security blanket having two cars. It's sometimes three. I got the sports car too. It's like okay, <laughs> life is good, but sometimes it's ridiculous. <laughs> so what's next? I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm somewhat of a futurist and I'm looking at artificial intelligence combined with um, what we know for games, which is virtual reality. But right now, well, you could go to a movie on a virtual reality, or you could walk through one of my houses on virtual reality, and you start supplementing it with augmented reality, which means that little yellow line that you've seen on a football field for 25 years already is augmented reality. We take something real and we put something on top of it to help you understand it. And we're saying from a retail viewpoint, you could walk through the glass store and pick out the frames and put them on your face and try them. And you're using both of these concepts in one, and then they sort of converge, which accelerates things. And as we talked about robotics, which is what automatic driving will be, but we're hardly scratching the surface. Um, if truly 80% of the jobs that we know today are gone in 10 years, and that may be five, based on what's happening. I think our challenges are bigger than we think. And I think some of the things we've been hearing are people who have seen it a little better than we did. A good example is Andrew Yang. Not a fan of his, but I read his book. And he's talking about the uh, guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. And that, that idea has been around since then. Okay, it's not even his own idea. But He's saying it's going to result because of automation. We're going to automate people who didn't see it coming. And as a result, we've got to support them some way and and hopefully get retrained. Um, 
I think I think I'm not envious of what you're doing because I think it's going to get a lot more complicated as we move along, and it's going to oh. pick up in speed. I, yep. Well, you know, as uh, uh, my husband sometimes says, I'm glad we're almost dead. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> um, you know we're both in our 60s but um I, you know certainly if i was you know 20 or 30 years younger the it's would be both exciting and really scary um to try to envision what it's all going to look like i mean all i can you know from my perspective all i can do is try to keep developing programs uh, and opportunities that people can take advantage of you know, you, you offer people the opportunities, you offer people the programs and by people, it could be either, I'll give you two examples where um, we're just launching with our existing uh, skill upgrade or Raritan portal, uh, our online learning portal that we've had over about 23, 2400 people use in the last two years. We're trying a, something, an expansion of it, where we're going to have people be able to um, do free badge training. Uh, that will result in a badge when you're done, 16 to 20 hours, one for job readiness, one for um, new managers, both designed based on feedback that we have had from some of our employers uh, in the past year or so. Um, they use a combination of um, a, a new gaming uh, platform that our vendor has developed along with our existing online classes. With the idea being, you you know, you do this for 16 to 18 hours in these two tracks, you end up with a, a badge that you can um, put on your, your LinkedIn profile, show that you have attained these skills so that if, even if, you know, if you're a new manager, your employer, employers can send their new, their people directly to us. And this will cost them nothing. It's just the time that will take to do it. Right. So, you know, similarly, we're doing something similar with training uh, for, um, some of the training programs are trying to re remind them that they people in training, this could be something that augments what they're already doing if they're for job readiness. And this will be something that will be mandated for participants in our summer employment program this year, our youth summer employment program. But we also are um, have new on-the-job training dollars available that businesses will be able to take advantage of. So if they have somebody that... Uh, if there's if they have an open position, we have a good candidate, or they have a good candidate who fits the eligibility requirements. We'll pay up to half of the salary for a certain period of time to ensure that that person is successful. And we also have um, new incumbent worker training dollars available for cohort tra cohort training in existing um, uh, for employers who have a group of people who they. Maybe, you know, this could be ideal for, say, a uh, uh, medical center that uh, they have people in one role, they want to keep them, they're good employees, and they want to get them on a career uh, career trajectory. So, you know, we, we're developed, we have these solutions in place that we're trying, starting to market out that people realize in addition to all the other options that we have, you know, we're, we're doing other things that we hope will um uh, get people ready, but also kind of reinforce the idea that you've, in this in this world, in this job market, flexibility, transition, all of those um, all of those career muscles have to be built and developed because it's not going to change. You know, the fact that I worked in one place for thirty five years 
was an anomaly and it's going to be even more of an anomaly going forward. Well, I love the badge analogy. Um, and uh, in effect, I think Mike Mc, uh, McDonough last year talked about certification. So mm -hmm. it's sort of the same thing, maybe yes. a little bigger badge. Um, I can see while you're talking that somebody who has skills A, B, C, D, and E, a second employer can say, I can use A and C if he gets these three badges, he or she gets these three badges. And exactly. Like that. It's, it's a tremendous way. And especially with, I mean, we're trying to attract STEM businesses, which are the low impact on the ecology businesses. And, and it, it seems to be working. Um, the last two, it's amazing, it's two years later already, but the last two years have redefined our thinking and our value system. And I see what you're describing when people are looking for a house, they used to want open, floor plans. Now they want compartmentalization. Mom needs a place to work. Dad needs a place to work. Kids <laughs> need a place to study. They all need a place. They they didn't want swimming pools two years ago. Now they're going for a bonus because they they live, work, play, and learn at home. And I don't wow. think learning will ever go back to what it once was. Nope. Um, our, our learning, if you think about it, has been one size fits all till you get to about the seventh or eighth grade and you start moving classes for specialties. But even Marilyn and I had this discussion, even I remember being in a physics or a science class and, and one student didn't get it and three students got it and were bored and everybody else was barely hanging on. And it was a great example of one size fits all training. There's no reason we all had to go through that same pain. Um, right. So accelerated training as well. So it sounds like you guys are a step ahead. What are your challenges for the next 12 months? Um, my biggest, well, and we're also, uh, we're also, we just got a new grant um, and we're launching a, a pathways to recovery program um, for people who have been impacted by the opioid epidemic um, wow. and can either, and it's for career training. Yeah, and you can either be someone who's been directly impacted or someone who's been tangentially impacted. You know, you could you could be um, the parent or even a friend of somebody that you helped. So that's one you have to that you have to be able to check that box. And then you also have to you have to have some type of negative career impact. You're either unemployed or underemployed okay. as a result. So, um, you know, so I only mention that because we're we're we just got we got the funding in January. We just got a vendor who's going to help us. I'm still in the process of hiring somebody in house to help manage and get people in the program. And I think for all of our programs, that is the biggest challenge: trying to figure out how else can we tell people that we are here, that we have all of these resources, and that use us that we can either help you directly or connect you to other resources that will assist you because our, our you know, the, the net is fairly wide. So I think to me in the next 12 months, that is, you know, the thing that's um, most is, you know, if that, if I did a one to 10, that's like one, a one B one C one, two, three, four, five, you know, just right. figuring out how to, um, we have a lot of good resources in place. How do we optimize those resources? 
how else do we, you know, do maybe a little old fashioned, you know, <laughs> going to every meeting you can. Um, but, you know, then also how do you do targeted advertising, um, which is, can be a little more challenging when you're talking about federal and grant dollar, federal and state grant dollars that have some restrictions. Um, but, you know, so how do we maximize all of the resources that are available to us in both counties to let people and employers know we're here? That's amazing. I mean, we were impacted directly. I actually lost a grandson to opioid. Um, and his parents, who were grief stricken, were there's still a big hole in their heart, but they were able to recover on their own, I think. But in turn, we found that they were training other parents who were going through the same thing. And I'm saying, wait a minute, we got the people who did it wrong. Not that they were wrong, but right. through, I know you're saying. they don't have the right skills to be counseling somebody else. But I guess it's better than nobody. Um, it's sorely needed because it was a downhill spiral that just couldn't be changed. And um, oh, the, sorry. The uh, just the results of it are it's it's two three years later um, are 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 still there. You know, these people are changed for life. Mm -hmm. happened to be an only child in this incident. Um, I think there, there's, we live in two very successful counties as far as per capita income. And we live in counties that have great resources such as people like um, the people I work and you work with and us included um, that care and wanna take it to the next level. And we talked a lot last time about my conversation with Bonnie Duncan and how she takes people who are in their senior years and get them involved in the uh, helping either through tax consultation or career consultation. And then I recently had a, another conversation with um, Jim Hughes from Rutgers. And we talked about the seniors in the workforce because we're so short on the workforce. We only got about another six years of population growth before we're into population implosion. And back to Elon Musk, he says that's one of his greatest two fears. Um, his other is what do we do with the people we put out of work? But in effect, Jim says that's why you and I, he says the, the uh, baby boomer, that the oldest baby boomer turned 75 this year. And in effect, they used to rock around the clock, now they're limping around the block. He says, but take the next level. And Jim said, I'm in it. He says, we're, they have a name for us, but we're the predeceased generation. And he oh, said, yikes. Yeah. He said, my, my goal as being a member of the predeceased generation is to stay in that generation. <laughs> <laughs> He's still out talking to people. But think about it, we have five or six generations in the workforce, um, and there's nothing wrong with the people who still want to work. I'm in my 70s that, that are out there working full time, and we're doing it for several reasons. We love what we do. We need something to do, and the pay ain't bad. You know, <laughs> it all adds up to there's a lot of people that we can call on. I, I think finding the resources that are available in our two counties and helping them help you are key as well. Yes, I would agree. You know, exactly. You know, that, that we have to, we can't be bashful about, about um, talking to people, but we also have to go with a, 
a, a very broad mindset that there are so many people uh, that we could utilize and that and 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 then activate that you know that's got to be super open and you know I think that's something else that COVID has taught us about how to be um, innovative. So we just gotta don't be afraid of that. I know in my office, they call on me to do things about, you know, teach people how to network, teach people how to do social media or what you can do with social media and go find somebody to teach you how to do it. And it's amazing what, what little inspiration it takes to get somebody rolling and wants to know more. You got to whet their appetite for it. Mm -hmm. And I love doing it. And it's obvious that you love what you're doing as well. And I, I think there's a lot of people like us that are underutilized in the general area that that we can call on to do more. And you know what? If they make a couple of bucks along the road, it doesn't hurt either. <laughs> I mean, that's why Marilyn is standing in a retail store today because she just wasn't ready for retirement. It happened right. before she was ready for it. She needs somebody to talk to. And then she she talks to people and she realizes that wow, many of our hourly employees in Hunterdon County come from Pennsylvania. And it's not exactly the same. She, she went to Rutgers, came home, went to Rutgers, came home. So she never looked to the side for the 33 years she was in that job. And now she's looking to the side and saying, wow, there's people that aren't of the same education skill or work level or whatever. Um, maybe didn't have the right guidance to get into a career. I mean, just we talked last time about how parents want the kids to be what they were. Well, what they were doesn't exist anymore. And you're going to owe a hundred quarter of a million bucks when the kid comes out of a four-year college. Why not send them through something for what we need? And I see these programs about teaching kids to code. It's like, wow, there's a great idea. Speaking of that too, we are on April, April 28th at RVCC from uh, 5.30 to 8 p.m. We're hosting um, Life After High School Career Pathways. Um, it's designed be for youth in middle school, high school, college age who are, are workforce bound. And we, our goal is to have a bunch of different resources of you know, employ, uh, course employers, but also some of, the, uh, some of the other programs that youth can take advantage of um, apprenticeship programs, other things that they can do that will provide them with um, uh, a good, a good, uh, good sustainable wage and, um, you know, a, a, a career pathway that they can travel upon. So, uh, you know, that, you know, we, with that in mind, that's something that our um, youth committee has been, uh, uh, the board's youth committee has been working on and uh, we're activating it. We're really excited. That will be an in-person event. Great. I'm going to put a link to that out on the uh, post for this. Uh, I'll send podcast. you the, um, what I'll do is I'll link the, I'll link the, um, I'll, I'll send you the, the flyer too. Cool. Cool. For business, I have for business, one for businesses and one for um, attendees. You know, I'll put a plug in for it. Um, I interviewed um, the mayor of Somerset, Somerville, um, and he Dennis Sullivan and his wife, Marge, are the two most amazing people that I've met. I mean, Dennis walked me around Somerville and talked me all about it. And then Marge took me through the history of Somerville. And we uh, 
then followed up and I took the five generals tour a couple of weekends ago to find out we actually had slaves in Somerville at one point in time. Oh, amazing? you didn't know that? I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an amazing story. So we're in a great place with some great people. And uh, I think taking advantage of uh, the place and the people is a nice matrix to have. So yeah. we're at the end of our 45 minutes. Anything you would like to point out that we didn't get around to talking about? No, I think uh, we are going to do, um, at the end of May, we're going to do a the Greater Raritan Job Fair um, at the Hindu Temple and Culture Society on Route 202-206 okay. in Bridgewater. That will be open to all businesses. We have, we'll be able to uh, probably uh, have 80 businesses at least, if we, and fingers crossed we get that many. Um, it's all free, of course, 10 to 2 that day, and will be open for uh, job seekers. Uh, be our first big in-person event in two years. You know, we've wow. done, you know, we've got the thing in RVCC that, but this is, this is going to be like, you know, our, our big thing. So um, I'm excited, you know, so I wanted to mention that and uh, just remind people that, you know, don't hesitate to go to, I'll say it once more, uh, www.thegrwdb.org to um, look more about what we're doing. We have, we're constantly updating our calendar, our resources um, tab has lots of information. Uh, contact uh, contact us so you can get hooked up to our one-stop career training uh, for um, um, training, uh, career counseling, resume support, uh, interview skills. We have lots of good resources. And of course, we can also encourage employers to contact me about the on-the-job training incumbent worker and our Skill Up Badge program uh, that we've got coming up. Uh, Grisella, G-R-Z-E-L-L-A at co.somerset.nj.us. Wow, Paul, a lot went on last year. And we're interested to learn more as the year progresses with your initiatives for 2022. Thank you for joining us. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker Sales Associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.